Welcome to the KayaCast, the podcast for cannabis businesses looking to launch, grow, and scale their operations. Each week, we bring you interviews with industry experts and successful retailers, plus practical tips and strategies to help you succeed in the fast-growing cannabis industry. Welcome back to the KayaCast podcast. I'm your host, Tom Mulhern. And today I have another interview with Milad Rafi'i, who is the CEO of WeCan. A few weeks back, I interviewed Milad, and in our conversation, he went through you know his history in cannabis. He went through what it takes to open a dispensary, and talked about the future of the industry. He talked about location. You know, there was so much content and so much great insights that Milad shared that we wanted to release a bonus episode where Milad walks us through a step-by-step guide to the application process for opening a dispensary. Now, this is a pretty comprehensive guide, but it's perfect for anyone who's currently in the process of an application, or maybe you're just thinking about one day opening another dispensary or opening your first dispensary. Well, Milad, an expert in the industry, walks us through what pitfalls to avoid and ways to make sure that your application succeeds. So let's jump right into the special bonus episode of the KayaCast podcast with Milad Rafi'i. So walk me through some of those basic steps of applying for a cannabis license. Like we've We've done the work, we've worked with you guys, you know, we've found the right location. And what are those those next steps once you have that location for applying for a cannabis license? At that point, you know, you really, well, a huge important piece of it is getting entrenched into the community that you're going to be, that you want to have a business in. So really understanding that community and understanding its needs. Ideally, you have someone on your team who's from the community, which really helps you get insight. But if not, we have tried and true processes that we've used in the past to really understand communities that we weren't a part of before or clients weren't a part of. And it just takes a lot of work and time to dig through everything and speak to everybody and make sure you you find all the, the, the facilities in terms of nonprofits that service the city and speaking to them. So that's a big part of it. And that's generally on every application process as a community benefits plan or some sort of community integration plan. Outside of that, you know, another very important piece of it is having the proper funding in place because they, the cities are going to want to see that you're capable to get through the build-out process, get operational, and even have some reserves in terms of expenses to manage expenses in case income's not going the direction you want it to go. But that's a part of it. And then a huge chunk of it as well is uh, your business plan. They require you to put together a business plan. Now, it's not your typical business plan. It's a mix of the typical business plan and what they want to see. That's important too is understanding the application material and having someone on the team that has that experience to do that. So we'll put these in-depth business plans together for our clients. We'll write the community benefit plans. We will guide the third-party consultants besides us that need to be in it. And they're not really third-party consultants. They're more vendors in terms of a fire and safety consultant, a security consultant that writes the security and safety reports, and the architect or engineer to draw up your floor plans and renderings. But we have several vendors throughout the country that we work with in different markets. So we can recommend those over to our clients. And then we quality control all the third-party work. And we project manage them in terms of getting everything in on time. 
and we put the final package materials together will be the point of contact between our client and the local municipality and the state municipality, ideally and all the way until they're you know fully approved because we get that initial approval after our initial submission. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it's still kind of narrowed down because there's a lot more to it, but that's really the, the nuts and bolts of it. And how long after, you know, an applicant applies, do they usually hear back? Like, is it right away or are they sitting there on pins and needles for a long time or what's that timeline usually look like? Yeah, the timeline is a tough one. Generally, it is at least three to four months until you have really any proper feedback besides, hey, you're not fully disqualified because you forgot to submit a section, for instance. They'll, they'll get back to the applicants pretty quickly by just rifling through and saying, hey, who submitted a full application, especially on the ones that have a tight deadline for you to submit because you can't fix any errors after the deadline versus a city that does not have a deadline. And it's, it's more of a back and forth at that point in terms of making corrections. In the best case scenario, you're normally looking at a three-month timeline before the city processes your application to the point where they're either giving you some some level of approval or making corrections, and, and you're starting the back and forth to hopefully get to that approval. So you guys have submitted over 150 licenses, and you've probably seen all sorts of reasons that licenses have been approved or you know denied. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that licensees make when they're applying for a cannabis license? A big mistake is groups that just really rely on their relationships within the city. That's a big mistake because those don't really work from my experience at all. We don't rely on anything like that. It's based really just, hey, making sure you understand the merit-based scoring process, if that's what it is, or the application requirements and hitting those and giving the city or the county what they want to see in terms of what those application requirements want. Don't say, hey, we can do a lackluster effort on this or maybe not you know, go above and beyond because you know, we know so-and-so. And I've heard a lot of horror stories where they say, yeah, we thought we knew, we thought this, we thought that. And then after we'd spent you know, 100 grand, that was denied or something along those lines. You know, even if you don't have relationships that you're relying on, it's not putting enough emphasis into your community benefit plan, I think is, is huge. And if you don't have a roster of individuals on your entity and your partnership that's moving forward that has a history of successfully being a part of community and entrenching themselves and, and giving back to nonprofits, then it, you, you may not want to go into a super competitive environment where you know that most of the applicants that are going to be submitting are going to be able to provide not only a commitment moving forward, but a history of, of what they've done. You know, and if you don't have that history and you still want to go and, and put an application, make a good commitment and in terms of what you're going to do to the community and make sure you really understand what that community needs. So that's that's huge, I would say, for points that, that people make mistakes on. They underestimate the, the value of the community benefits plan that they put together and just really understanding what the application requirements are, because also you can just get fully disqualified because you missed one piece of the application or you misread what they said, or you just didn't read between the lines and go look at the FAQs to further understand what's happening. Once the application has been approved, your license been granted, what are kind of those next steps for a cannabis operator? Obviously it's opening the store and stuff, but do you guys work with people on those next steps after that? We are in contact with them until they're fully operational on, on many different levels. And it gets less and less in terms of the work we need to do after they get that initial approval, but there's still a good amount of work to do. After we get the initial approval from your local government, in California in particular, because that's how the process works, but in other states, you may get the state approval first. Whichever one you're applying for first, 
you then start the other process, right? So like if you get your approval from your local government first, and you start looking into the state process to get the wheels in motion for that, so that ideally you're getting both of your final approvals from both municipalities at the same time or around the same time, so you're not waiting on one or the other. And you start beginning, start to work on your construction plans. So ideally, the engineers and architects you had build out your renderings and your floor plans are the same ones that are going to build out your construction plans and they can get to work quickly because that could take a while. You know, again, if you have an indecisive point of contact in terms of what they want to do design wise, and you just have a slow architectural team, it could take months to get that, those plans together. But ideally, you can get that knocked out in like 60 days and get it submitted because then you got to hope the city approves your construction plans quickly, which generally doesn't happen. It generally takes about three, four months to get plans approved, even good plans. And then you can start construction. There is a lot of that needs to be done there. From our standpoint, you know, there's not too much additional paperwork we're doing at that point, but we are project managing the engineers to make sure they get these plans submitted, staying on in the communication chain. So if corrections come back, we are jumping on whoever we need to, to get those corrections, work on them, get them resubmitted so you can get to the point where you're building out your facility. From when you start building your facility out, as you get closer and closer to completing the build out, you have to finalize some paperwork to get all the final licensing approvals. And, and we take care of all that. And if there's corrections that have come back from either of the municipalities in terms of the paperwork we've submitted, we continue to work on those items to get everything finalized. And then, yes, hope, you know, on, the, on a really nice, beautiful day, they get their licenses and the doors open and all the customers walk in. That must be so rewarding when you get to that point where they're opening the doors. You've walked with them from starting with a dream to, you know, they have customers lined up and they're, uh, they've got balloons and everything. That's That must be such like a rewarding process to walk with people through. It is. I mean, that's... You know, we got to really experience it after like year two and three, because it does take a little while to get these facilities operational. It, you kind of feel like a proud parent, you know, and you walk into the facility. And sometimes I don't get to go and see it for months after they've opened just because we've been busy. And so it's great to really co walk in as a customer and get that experience. And you're really pumped. And, and it's just a really good feeling to see that come to fruition. And especially having gone through it myself from being from FF coming from outside the industry, I remember all the highs and the lows. And that's definitely one of the best feelings is that day. And especially that day when you, you have a lot of people lined up to come into the store too, or you're, you're non-retail, you know, you're harvesting your first round of flour. It's a great thing to see. And as I come and go through those cultivation facilities or manufacturing facilities and seeing them add new equipment, seeing them build out new rooms. So it's really great to see that as well too. Thanks for listening to the KayaCast podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast app or visit our website to learn more about our guests and to access the full archive of episodes from the show. Join us next time as we continue to explore the world of cannabis and help you grow, launch, and scale your business.